Let me ask you about crypto, uh, which uh, there's, a, there's a, a, a piece out. I think maybe CNBC even uh, talked to, uh, to money manage, managers, and that is ripe. In 75% of those polled, that's ripe for a major correction or a major uh, letting out of, of a lot of air in that, in that sector. Does that sound like consensus, uh, something to go the, the other way on to you or, or not? Well, yes, I believe it is. Uh, I think institutions are moving in. And right now, uh, crypto of any sort, uh, they're starting with Bitcoin and Ether. Crypto of any sort is a de minimis amount or percentage of institutional portfolios. Uh, the reason institutions are moving in is, uh, to some extent, this is a new asset class with correlations very different uh, uh, compared to other asset classes. In fact, uh, Yassine Almandra did a, a study on this and found that the closest, and we did it with Bitcoin, uh, the closest correlation uh, among or, or to other assets was real estate. Uh, and so institutional managers have to look at new asset classes that are evolving that yeah. have low correlations. That's that's the key to diversification. And it's the holy grail, grail in terms of asset allocation. So we think that the move actually it, by institutions into uh, Bitcoin, if we were to choose Bitcoin, and, and that seems to be their first stop, uh, could add $500,000 to Bitcoin's price if they moved into the tune of roughly 5% over time. Kathy, you could talk. Happy Bitcoin Tuesday, freaks. It's your boy, Matt O'Dell, here for another Citadel Dispatch, the interactive live show about Bitcoin, distributed systems, privacy, and open source software. Huge shout out to the ride or die freaks who continue to support the show, keeping it ad-free, sponsor-free, and just focused on actual Bitcoin discussion. The easiest way to support the show is uh, through podcasting 2.0 apps, uh, my favorite two are Fountain Podcasts and Breeze Wallet. Uh, download one of those apps, search Citadel Dispatch, load it up with sats, and then you can stream sats directly uh, to my Lightning node. You can also support the show at CitadelDispatch.com, either through Lightning or on-chain uh, through a paynim. And as always, uh, a big shout out to the freaks who continue to join us week in and week out in our live chat via Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. You guys make this show very special uh, with your live comments and questions. Um, so thank you so much for that. I really do appreciate it. A um, couple of pieces of homework before we get started here. Uh, we have a new matrix chat uh, focused on uh, dispatch. Uh, you can find that at citadel.chat. That is going to be similar to a Discord or Slack experience if you are used to that, but instead it is self-hosted, open source, and end-to-end -end encrypted. So definitely check that out. We already have a really good group of freaks there, uh, and we have one dedicated uh, to TFTC at tftc.chat as well. And also, um, 
I hope all you freaks uh, enjoy your holidays uh, with your, your friends and your family. Uh, Dispatch will be taking a holiday break um, until January 4th. So uh, the next two Tuesdays, we will be taking off January 4th. Um, I have a massive show lined up for us already that I'm pretty excited about. Um, Rabbit Hole Recap will not be taking a break because we never take breaks for Rabbit Hole Recap for three years in a row. So you can still find me every Thursday on Rabbit Hole Recap. Um, as always, all shows are available through the podcast feed after the fact um, and also on BitcoinTV.com uh, if you prefer that. So with all that said, uh, a very exciting uh, guest uh, today, someone I consider a good friend who does a lot of work uh, for Bitcoin uh, that some people might not appreciate fully. Uh, this is Citadel Dispatch 48. We will be discussing uh, the Bitcoin initiatives being done by Block, formerly known as Square, and Spiral, formerly known as Square Crypto. And we got Steve Lee here. Uh, Moneyball on Twitter. I don't know how he got the Moneyball Twitter handle. That's a fire Twitter handle. How's it going, Steve? Hey, Matt. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's going great. How long have you had that Moneyball Twitter handle for? Uh, I think, uh, what, since 2007 or 2008? That's a a primo handle. Yeah, I've had, I have Moneyball on on most services. Wow. Impressive. Truly impressive. I I like the book, so. Who doesn't? Um, so you are, what's your official title at Spiral? Uh, I don't really have an official title, but I'm, I'm the lead for, for Spiral. Um, you're, you're the main guy, uh, top dog. Well, we're, we're a decentralized distributed team. So but uh-huh. yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm the, I'm the lead for, for Spiral. Um, so we have a great list. I mean, you guys are doing, uh, between Spiral and between the greater initiatives at Block, uh, you guys are doing a ton of work uh, in the Bitcoin space. A lot of it is open source focused. Um, so where do we want to get started? Uh, do you want, I mean, we don't have it on the list, but do you want to talk a little bit about the the name change to Spiral first? Yeah, we, we, we can start there. Um, so as folks probably know, and you already mentioned that the entire company changed its name from Square to Block uh, for a bunch of good reasons. Um, and since the brand Square uh, is now you know, very directly and specifically the original Square business point of sale terminals, it's not really related to what Spiral does. Um, so the name Square Crypto really didn't make sense, sense anymore. And really from the beginning, we were asked a lot of questions about the name Square Crypto. Um, because we are such an independent group from the company itself, having Square in the name um, didn't seem right. And then, especially from the Bitcoin community and Bitcoin crowd being named crypto, um, people wanted us to you know, rebrand to, to Square Bitcoin or something. Um, so yeah, so we it was a good opportunity for us to change our name. We wanted to keep something very, very simple um, and clean. So we... Uh, we went through a, an exercise and came up with the name Spiral, which we're super happy with. Yeah, I think it's a pretty awesome name. And your new website is awesome, spiral.xyz. Yeah, thank you. Um, anyone who's followed our Twitter account knows that the uh, the blue spiral emoji is something we, we always play with and, and sort of part of our, our uh, voice and brand. So it, it, it partially stems from that. Well, congratulations on that. I'm sure that's been a long time coming and... Uh... 
a bit of an organizational headache uh, rather than focusing on on the other projects you guys are working on. Um, yeah. We also came out with the film. I don't know if you want to talk about the film. Oh, the film was awesome with Puppet Jack. <laughs> the Puppet Jack film. Yeah, we. Um, Whose idea was that? Uh, there's a guy Ken on our team. Uh, he's he's the the mastermind behind our our Twitter account, and he's the creative on our team. Um, so he came up with the idea. Um, you, you know, it's, it's something like Lightning Network and LDK, which we'll talk about the Lightning Development Kit. You know, they're very technical, very much in the weeds. Um, so we wanted to create something that that sort of communicated what we're up to, what the benefits are, but do it in a way that's a little more appealing to to a broader audience. And um, hence hence the film. Um, and so we we came up with a, a puppet representing Jack. Um, and then tried to add add some uh, humor to it as well. No, it was really great. I mean, I don't think um, anyone's going to be able to. Uh, you completely changed the game of advertising development kits, <laughs> right? Um, it, yeah, it's 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 hard to take something that's kind of dry and boring to most people and and make it entertaining. So hope, hopefully, that sets a bar for for the the broader Bitcoin space and and really software and tech in general. Um, so, I mean, this is a good launching point because the first thing we have on the list is LDK, which is, was the main focus. I felt like it was the, it was the main focus of the video, but also kind of the focus was like, get to know the spiral team, um, which I liked. I thought it was a nice touch because people tend to forget that there's humans behind these things. Um, so LDK, what is LDK? Why should we care? Uh, why is it important? Yeah. LDK stands for lightning development kit. And it's it's a it's it's users and its target is for other developers. We're just trying to make it easier for other developers to integrate Lightning Network services into their their uh, wallets. Um, it differs from the other Lightning implementations in that it's 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 not in and of itself a node or a wallet. Um, it's a software library that allows other developers to customize and build their own their own Lightning node. Um, a couple of years ago, we, when we were deciding which project the full-time team at Spiral was going to work on, we did a lot of homework. We reached out to dozens and dozens of, of developers and wallets and asked them what was either preventing them from adding Lightning Network or what challenges they'd faced um, while adding it. Uh, also spoke with some projects that ended up implementing their own implementation of the Lightning Network protocol, um, which is which is very complicated. Um, so we came up with the conclusion that if we really want to see the space uh, accelerate and grow and see lots of different uh, experiments for wallets and nodes and uh, out there, we we needed to make it bet you know easier and better for developers. Um, so the we got started on on Lightning Development Kit. We we started with the Rust Lightning project that Matt Carello had started. Um, so it, it's implemented in a language called. Uh, rust um, but you know two, two years later it's taken a lot of time to to build out a uh, commercial quality implementation um, we've also invested a significant amount of time on language bindings it's another thing we learned from speaking with developers they would be hesitant to integrate a library that was written in a language that they themselves aren't using so if you're building an iPhone you might be using um, Swift language or React Native, and and every different platform. You know, there's many different languages used by wallet developers. So while 
the LDK is written in Rust. Um, we wanted to build out native APIs in Java and Swift and other languages to make it easier for developers. Awesome. Um, to, just to pull back a little bit, when you said other, uh, I guess, app developers were basically writing Lightning implementations from scratch, I mean, the two that come to mind to me were Breeze and Simple Bitcoin Wallet. Is there another one that comes to mind to you? Yeah, I was uh, like Electrum is one example. Oh, um, right. Electrum, Python, Python Lightning implementation that everyone forgets about. Yep. And, you know, so I I can't speak for the Electrum project, but, I, you know, if, if I were contributing to the Electrum project, I, I definitely wouldn't uh, have wanted to implement and maintain over time uh, a, a yet, yet another Lightning implementation. So it'd be much easier to, to be able to integrate um, a high quality open source one. Um, that was customizable and flexible enough to meet to meet uh, to meet their needs, and and that's what we've heard from many other uh, existing Lightning wallets, especially on mobile phones, um, to get the right user experience on mobile is quite difficult, often resulting in trade offs. You can see this with Phoenix and Moon and Breeze and Blue Wallet, um, and so, so they all have different trade offs. And they all have different trade-offs, which is good. It's good and healthy. You know, th this isn't easy right now. There's many trade-offs you can make. I think it's healthy for Bitcoin to have lots of different wallets, lots of different recipes out there, um, and, and just being transparent, letting people know what what am I trading off with respect to, to privacy or security uh, or other issues. You know, to to try to get the right user experience. Right. So, so yeah. Yeah. Go, go on. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, L LDK has been designed and architected to be very modular and a library that allows those wallet developers to um, to make those types of trade-offs without needing to go modify uh, or maintain their own um, Lightning implementation. So you take away, at, at its core, it's this idea that they, the app developers, the wallet developers don't really have to focus that hard on the actual Lightning component. They can focus on everything else around it. That that's correct, and, and also the LDK doesn't come bundled with its own on-chain wallet. Um, I believe all the other, um, you know, major Lightning implementations do. Uh, so it's it's really intended for like an existing Bitcoin wallet, or for even if it's a wallet built from scratch, mm -hmm. a, a developer who who has in their own mind how they want to, um, you know, do the key storage and wh what block data sources they're going to use, whether it's full blocks or complex, you know, compact block filters, or there's, lot, there's lots of ways to get the sort of the source of truth. We want to allow the developers to, to choose that and not sort of dictate that for them. Interesting. So would you say that LDK is mobile focused or is it just mobile friendly, but agnostic? Um, it's I'd say it's it's mobile first. I mean, I think the the sweet spot for LDK is non-custodial mobile. Um, that's where I'd say it shines relative to other options. Um, but it can certainly be used. LDK can be used server side and enterprise uh, and custodial environments as well. I, I think where it might be attractive for the latter um, situation is is anyone looking to improve. Um, security or scalability and really wanting to go deeper scaling that the the modular 
modular architecture and the customizability of LDK um, may, may prove beneficial in that environment. But definitely mobile is where LDK has been built to be high performance, um, run in, in um, environments that don't have as, as many resources as you know, server side and data centers. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of us tend to agree, um, you know, that the next billion users that onboard onto Bitcoin and start using Bitcoin will probably be doing it from a mobile first perspective. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and also, there's just massive pain points with Lightning on mobile right now. Uh, so when you put the two, to the, two of those together, um, making it easier for us to have more fully function lightning wallets uh, on mobile and enabling developers to build those wallets is a, is a very important task. So I, I, I do really appreciate you guys working on that. Um, so you mentioned it doesn't have uh, an on-chain component. I know we don't have this on the list. I don't know if you can speak to it that much, but I think you have Steve Myers on your team that is working on Bitcoin development kit, BDK. Yeah, would love to speak about BDK. Um, is that, can that be used like with LDK? So you have like the on-chain component plus the lightning component? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. So Steve Myers is one of our um, grantees. So just so everyone knows, Spiral has a, a full-time development team of four developers and, and they're focused on LDK. We also have a grant program where we've given grants um, to over you know, several dozen uh, developers, uh, including Steve Myers, um, but also several others who are contributing to BDK, Bitcoin Development Kit, which, as you just mentioned, it, it's really like a um, sibling project to LDK. It, it complements LDK. It's the on-chain Bitcoin protocol equivalent of, of LDK. So they are independent projects. Um, but having said that, I definitely imagine them one day sort of mer merging and just there should just be a free open source Bitcoin SDK. And, and, and in my mind, it'll be the, these two projects um, combined. But even today, even though they're independent projects, they're intended to work together. And another Spiral grantee, John Cantrell, is building a reference wallet uh, that's based on both BDK and LDK. So I think in his, um, in his reference wallet, he's using BIP-157, 158 compact block filters uh, to get block data. Um, he's getting that through uh, the BDK and BDK also provides, you know, like fee estimation and coin selection and all the things, all the components you need for uh, an on-chain wallet. Um, and then he's using that in conjunction with LDK to, to, uh, to enable lightning. Awesome. And, and uh, John is, is being funded by Spiral as well, right? He's part of the grant program. He is. Yep. You guys, I don't think you have like a list of your grant recipients anywhere. We, we, we do on our, um, on our website. So spiral.xyz. Oh, it's up there now? Yeah. For a while, like I feel like you were just like tweeting it out. <laughs> yeah. It was like hard we, to um, follow. We, yeah. So every, everyone can check out spiral.xyz to, to see, you know, who we've given grants to, um, what they're up to. And then with the rebrand to Spiral a couple of weeks ago, we, we published a post, which you can find on our website as well, which really looks back, reflects on the past couple of years, what we've, what we've accomplished, what we've done, um, and then pointing to the future. We're going to do basically more of the same. Um, we're, we're happy to keep supporting 
Bitcoin in, in uh, as many ways as possible. That's awesome. And just to be clear, I mean, it was hard to follow in a good way. It was just, I felt like <laughs> every week you guys were releasing another grant, um, really hit the ground running. The amount of, of work that is that is being funded out of your, your project is is pretty remarkable. Yeah, th thank you. Um, yeah, and getting back to BDK and LDK, I mean, again, it's our, it's our hope that, um, I mean, imagine if you were building... Uh, you know, a mobile app for iPhone and there was no development kit or you had to go and as a developer, you're just trying to build like a gaming app or a communications app or something like that. And you had to go modify iOS or the SDK yourself. Um, that's not really a great environment for seeing a massive explosion of creativity and, and new applications. So our hope is that with these development kits, we really improve the Bitcoin developer user experience by a, you know, a sub substantial amount. And hopefully over the next several years, we see a lot more, uh, you know, even more creative creativity than we've seen so far. Yeah. I mean, I, it seems ultimately the goal that, that most Bitcoiners want, and in my opinion should want is, is to have as many options available uh, to, to use Bitcoin uh, with varying trade-offs. And it, it has seemed in the past that the major hurdle to that is this uh, friction of, of actually building solid, stable Bitcoin apps and Bitcoin wallets and uh, having proper uh, foundation for that. I mean, just got to reduce the friction tremendously. So hopefully we'll see uh, many more good wallets in the future. Um, and, and just, we haven't mentioned it yet, but um, I mean, a lot of people wonder what's what's the status of LDK? Like, can it be used? Is it ready now? Um, it is ready now. Uh, B Blue Wallet, which is a wallet many of your listeners probably are familiar with, uh, it's you know Blue Wallet has supported Lightning Network for quite a while now, but it's but it's been because um, at least by default custodial Lightning. They wanted to move to non-custodial on mobile, and uh, they did an evaluation and and chose uh, LDK as that toolkit for for all the reasons that we we created LDK. So we're really happy that they chose LDK. Um, and it's, uh, I, I think they have like an alpha version that's been available for, for several months now. So that's exciting. And we're also seeing a lot of traction, um, from other, uh, from other big services. Hopefully, hopefully the next few months, um, we'll, um, we'll see some, some other services that your listeners either use or are very familiar with that, that'll enable lightning using, using LDK. So their goal is to release, that's not a general release yet, right? Like if you go to the app store or something like that, uh, you won't get the LDK version of Blue Wallet yet. That's, that's correct. Um, I still think there's a, there's a few things that are um, a bit unrelated to LDK that they're shoring up for the next release. I, I'm not sure exactly what, um, what their schedule looks like, but, um, but, but hopefully early, early next year. That makes a lot of sense to me because I did notice uh, in the LDK spiral video uh, that Puppet Jack was spending with Blue Wallet, and I was wondering why that choice was made. So I, now I, I, I know. The Wallet, yeah, the Blue Wallet team, you know, tweeted out the you know a demo of using LDK. I, I think in August or so of this year. So uh, I mean, it's pretty funny. Like all the people who say Bitcoin is moves too slow and nothing new happens. And uh, I've like devoted my life to try and keep track of it. And you still miss things. Yeah, absolutely. Full of shit. I, I never understand people saying Bitcoin's like dead or boring or slow. <laughs> I spend full time on it and can barely 
uh, barely keep up. Exactly. Um, so where do you want to go next here? Um, I've got, before we move on, so the whole thing is built on top of Rust Lightning. Uh, that's correct. And then right. on, on the, the library is built in, in, in Rust. Um, and then there's the language bindings I mentioned. So there's, there's like a Java layer, uh, a Swift layer, and, and we're building out support for other languages too. So right now, um, there's, there's six lightning, six major lightning implementations. Um, you have LND, you have C lightning, uh, you have Eclair, um, you have a Morden, you have Electrum's Python Lightning, and you have oh you have Breeze's Go. I think it's a Go-based implementation. Is there another one that I'm forgetting? There's one that I'm forgetting. Um, well, M Moon has done a lot of customized work too. That the the node the portions of the node that run the phone i think are are pretty much all their own implementation right right now uh i mean i don't have like hard numbers in front of me but right now the estimates are like around like 70 percent of the lightning network is running lnd do you expect that number to go down do you expect there to be you know multiple implementations with over 20 percent of liquidity on the network or is or do you think it's going to be like more of a winner takes all kind of thing? I think it's really early to like speculate on winner take takes all. There's there's so many trade offs um, with different like we said earlier in terms of getting the right user experience, security, privacy, um, and then of course between enterprise and and mobile. I can imagine the future like internet. Um, or like IoT devices, payment terminals, all kinds of devices where Lightning gets added. So I, I think there there'll be room for multiple implementations for 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 quite a while. Um, I do I do expect. Uh, I mean now I mean LDK has zero percent market share right now because nothing nothing is live. Um, I think Matt Crawl and a few other people have test test nodes that are on mainnet. Right, um, but in terms of actual services with users, nothing's live yet. So right now it's zero percent. So I certainly expect. LDK to, to increase um, in twenty. It's a bold prediction, Steve. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So we'll it'll it'll be uh, should be more than zero percent next year. But you do you think it's imp it's it's important that we have many many implementations with like a decent adoption? I it, at least for the next several years, just because there's um, there's so much room for experimentation and there's right. so many trade-offs. I I can't imagine any one implementation. Uh, satisfying all of that. So the last thing we want to do right now in such early days with Lightning Network is to restrict what's possible or what's experimented with. Um, you know, so maybe we, we can chat again in like three or four years <laughs> to see how things have, have evolved. Um, and then maybe maybe long term, uh, it, it, it sort of boils down to two or three um, implementations. Fair enough. That seems that makes sense to me. Uh, we're still very much in the experiment experimentation phase, trying yeah. to see what works. Um, so, where do you want to go next? You want to discuss B Trust? We could we we could kind of round out spiral stuff if you like direct spiral stuff if you want. Um, maybe speak a little bit to the design community. Let's hit I it. You, I think you had a recent show on that, so we don't have to repeat that. But um, 
but I'm, I'm happy to speak a little bit about. Uh, yeah, let's talk about it. The Bitcoin yeah. design community, you guys spearheaded this. Yeah, I'm really proud of what what that community's done. Um, it's genesis when when we started Spiral or Square Crypto at the time, we wanted to we wanted to impact design in the space because we felt it it had little um, investment. And we initially set out to hire a full-time designer on the Spiral team. And so we interviewed many, many dozens of talented designers and really never found someone who checked all the boxes. But I, I, I think, you know, after like eight months of, of meeting over 50 people, we looked, you know, reflected on that. And I think we had, we were, we were looking for a unicorn candidate. And right. what we realized is that we've met amazing designers with different skill sets, all of whom shared one thing, which is that they all were passionate about Bitcoin. Uh, another thing they sh shared is that they were kind of operating on their own island in terms of how to engage and get involved with Bitcoin and communicating with others, which is very foreign to most designers. Like creative people love to interact with other creatives and and uh, that's a pretty common part of their process. So um, so we switched our, our strategy and we're like, hey, why don't we just, why don't we initiate and help kickstart the Bitcoin design community, you know, a free open community. This is not a, a spiral or block um, centric or initiative. It's, it's for the Bitcoin community. It's a public good. And so we kicked it off uh, about a year and a half ago. Uh, and I'm really, really happy with how, how it's evolved. Um, it, it is completely independent of, or I shouldn't say completely. I mean, we, we fund several people working on it, but like, you know, it, it runs independent of myself or Spiral or, or, or Block. Uh, and I, awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident that it is now evolved. It has enough um, accomplishments and momentum that it'll be sustainable even if uh, Spiral just, just went away. So I'm really happy with that. They've produced um, a design guide, which is live and available. Um, they published version one of the design guide last June. And now they're adding Lightning Network in a big way to the design guide. And this this really, you know, you can bundle this design guide in with BDK and LDK as just being a, a really great resource for any builder looking to build a great Bitcoin and Lightning application. Um, the design guide, you know, it obviously doesn't dictate what people do with the design, but it's just intended to be guidelines, best practices, walk through some of the trade-offs that um, you'll need to, to think about and just be a, a helpful resource. And I, I've really noticed in the past six months that more and more people are becoming aware of it and and using it and, and trusting it. And so hopefully that that um, that keeps going. Um, and another project the design community's done is a wallet improvement project where members of the of the design community are um, selecting a different wallet in in the space, evaluating it and just documenting areas of improvement and even not just documenting or, or pointing out problems, but trying to come up with a solution. So they're, they're coming up with designs in Figma. They're going to the project's GitHub and opening up issues or PRs to, to help improve that wallet. And, and the, it's, been a, it's been a great relationship with the wallet projects too, because they've, they've, found, they've been very welcoming to this and embraced it. And we already see a bunch of wallets have made improvements uh, that have emerged uh, based on that feedback. 
So in a lot of ways, I mean, it's it's kind of in the same spirit as BDK and LDK, just on the design side. Yep, yep. Which is so all three of these share. You know, let's improve. Let's make it easier to build awesome Bitcoin applications. Which I mean is is pretty cool coming from the perspective of Block, where like a lot of people, it's still weird calling it Block, by the way. Perspective <laughs> of formerly Square, uh, where where you're you're basically like building the foundation for other, you know, open source projects to come and compete with you. Yep. Yep. Gotta love it. Um, so, I mean, the Bitcoin design community, I've seen massive, uh, massive impact by them already. Uh, when I talk to different wallet teams and stuff, they, it's almost uh, expected that they're going to tell me that they already have gotten help and, uh, we're very happy with the help they've received from um, that community. Um, I believe there's, they have a Slack, like a public Slack. If, like what, if, if a freak wants to help with the Bitcoin design community, how do, how do they, how do they do that? Well, the, yeah, the best place to start, just go to Bitcoin.design, uh, that website. And from there you can find everything. You can find the, the Slack that you mentioned. You can see the guide, um, that I, that I spoke to, uh, as well as just resources on, on how to contribute, how to get involved. And in fact, there's over 2,200 creatives have joined that Slack. So it's just been a Damn. phenomenal response. Um, and many, uh, many dozen are, are actively involved. Um, there's a regular community call every three weeks along with a, uh, an associated newsletter. So if you're, if you're a little bit short on time, but interested, I think, reading that newsletter every three weeks and joining the community call, which has recently been hosted on Twitter spaces. That's a good way to, to learn more and, and be involved. And then, yeah, if you're a builder, if you have a wallet or an application and would like review, there's also a, um, a design review uh, recurring meeting that that's every three weeks. And I just think it's a phenomenal resource. Uh, I, I worked at Google for almost a decade and worked at other tech companies and it's the same kind of, design review process that you'd see at, at a company like that yet in an open source um, style and fashion. And it's, it's welcome for, for anyone who, who would like some feedback from, from this talented community. Awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like, especially among like the Bitcoin enthusiast crowd and the, the more hardcore Bitcoiners, like we tend to discount, uh, the impact of good design. But if we're talking about um, onboarding the next billion Bitcoiners, uh, it doesn't just stop at BDK or LDK or more wallets that are more powerful. Like it, UX and design is a, is a major, is a major aspect of that. Uh, when you have new users trying to onboard onto these, onto these wallets, um, like you shouldn't, you shouldn't need like an hour long, 45 minute guide on how to use something uh, for a new user to, to get comfortable. They should be able to, uh, you know, open the app, open the wallet and the design, the UX should kind of guide them through, through best practices and how to use it in a relatively easy fashion. Totally agree. Um, so I don't know what else I have on this list that is spiral specific. Uh, do you want to, we, we already spoke about the grants a little bit. Um, one, is there one, anything? One more, yeah. One more shout out maybe for, for grants. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can give as many shout outs as you want. I mean, like I said, you guys are funding so many people. I can't even keep track of it. So 
Yeah. Well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go through all of them because that would be that would be an hour show in and of itself. <laughs> but one more I wanted to mention is Summer of Bitcoin, um, which is which I thought was just uh, it started this past year and I just thought it was a phenomenal initiative. Um, one of the biggest bottlenecks in open source Bitcoin development is is just finding talented people who are are interested and trained to to contribute. Um, you know, fu funding and getting dollars is certainly one aspect, but it doesn't end there because you, you actually need to find the, the you know, pe people to uh, to match those dollars with. And so Summer of Bitcoin's an, an initiative that um, started by started in India and they they opened up an application process, I think, to something like five universities in India, got an incredible response. So th th this is for a, a summer internship. And I think they, they had over 4,000 applications, just wow. from a handful of universities. So really incredible. So that was a huge process just to, to narrow down. I think they had 50, uh, 52 or 53 interns this past summer, and they matched those interns not at companies, but with open source Bitcoin projects. So LDK, BDK, Bitcoin Core, LND, and many other open source Bitcoin projects. And each intern, you know, you know, merged a PR or did some kind of project, and they got paid um, a, a, a stipend in, in in Bitcoin. So just a great start to that, because historically there's been almost non-existent um, open source Bitcoin development from people in India and it's a country so rich in, 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 you know, talented engineers. So it was great to see some traction there, um, in, in India. Uh, but the summer of Bitcoin program has global ambition. So they're, they're coming back for, for a, um, you know, second, second year, this, this coming year, um, opening up their internship program to people all around the world. So Spiral's proud, proud supporters of that. We're, we're funding the, the person who's running the show um, and uh, funding the stipends. Chaincode has been phenomenal with this too. They've lent, um, I think, not just money, but also a lot of their time helping, uh, helping that get up off the ground. So really happy with Summer of Bitcoin. People should check it out. Um, for those listening who are, are developers or potential mentors, the program would love to, to match up mentors with with mentees. And if you're listening and you would like to apply, you can uh, go to the Summer of Bitcoin website to check it out. And what is that website? Um, it is summerofbitcoin.org. Awesome. Um, before I forget, we have SB Design in the comments mentioning that the Bitcoin design community is doing a meet and greet on Thursday. Um, there's a there's a link to an issue on their GitHub uh, that has the description there. I'm sure you can get to it by going to Bitcoin.design uh, if you're interested. Uh, we also have Ben the Carmen in, com in the comments mentioning that they got two great contributors uh, through the Summer of Bitcoin initiative at SuredBits. I also know um, that Wiz, uh, one of the lead maintainers of Mempool.space, which I have... Uh, streaming during every dispatch also um, got some interns through that program. So it was just a really fantastic initiative uh, that really helped a lot of projects uh, throughout the industry. Um, I also, before we continue, uh, we have 
we have MG MG Blazer in the comments asking uh, asking you, Steve, what you know. You said you worked at at Google for ten years. How how has that been different than than your than your role at Spiral? Um, let's see. I mean, there's lots of differences. Maybe I'll start with like similarities. I I do feel like. Yeah, so I was at Google from 2006 to 2015, and during that time, it was still, especially in in the first four years I was there, still very much a company that was engineering driven, engineering led. Um, I was a product, I, I worked in product product management, and so the I worked in Google Maps on mobile phones. I was the the lead product manager for that. I had to work with engineers across the world, lots of different um, locations and, um, you know, to, to affect the, the roadmap or the user experience or improving the product, I had to build relationships with those developers among, you know, among many other people and that consensus building that process, I think that carries over to, to Bitcoin and open source. It's even more extreme in, in Bitcoin and, and decentralized nature. Um, but the skills that I developed doing that at, at Google did, did transfer over and help. Um, let's see. And yeah, how are they different? Well, I mean, I'm really lucky <laughs> to be working on Spiral. Um, Jack Dorsey and Block, you know, fund Spiral, but it's completely hands off. Um, all, all Jack asks of us is that we just help Bitcoin succeed. Um, and Jack and no one at Block gives gives us uh, any direction or tells us no. Um, so we're, we're, yeah, it's really it's really amazing. So we're very fortunate. Um, yeah. So even I mean at Google, I had a lot of latitude as well, but not 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 to this not to this extreme. Awesome. Um, I had no idea. I, I, I had no idea that you were one of your main projects was Google Maps over there. Um, yeah, I was the lead lead product manager for Google Maps on mobile phones uh, for four years. Really, really great app you guys built over there that I um, unfortunately cannot use uh, due to uh, privacy issues. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, that, that was definitely one of the hard ones to cut out in my privacy journey. So I also worked on, um, I was the lead VM for the location platform, Wi-Fi and cell tower and, and GPS, which has all kinds of interesting privacy uh, considerations. Wow. Well. Thank, thanks for that, Steve. Really. Appreciate <laughs> it. Um, so while we're on the privacy topic, uh, Citrinity mentioned earlier, and he just noticed that we mentioned privacy again. Uh, so, he, and he is a true ride or die freak. He's always in the comments. Um, are, is there anything specifically privacy focused that you guys are working on with respect to BDK and LDK? Um, I mean, privacy is very important to us. Um, it, it, you know, even outside of BDK, LDK, we, we fund, um, we have a grant to Chris Belcher working on CoinSwap. Right. Um, and and Lightning Network in and of itself, if uh, if successful and adopted, I think it will improve um, privacy for for Bitcoiners. Um, and so, but there's nothing 
actually right. that's not that's not true so one thing that um it's not necessarily specific to ldk but it's a, it's a priority for the project is to do routing and pathfinding for lightning on the client device so on a mobile device which cool. is, which is which is a hard hard challenge because it's a lot of data that has to be downloaded to the to the phone um and if it's been a while since you've opened your wallet app it can create latency issues. That, that's the tension there and, and the, the technical challenge. Um, so Arik on, on our team is actively working on a project right now for, to reduce the amount of information that needs to be downloaded to the phone. Uh, and Blockstream has done some work on this as well. So hopefully we, we can we can get that to a sweet spot where it's still a good user experience. Um, you don't have a, you know, a, a, a bad lag when opening the app. And yet, the your your payment routing can be done on the phone, which definitely enhances your privacy. So, like the alternative being, if if you're not doing it that way, then you have a server handling that pathfinding, right? And the server knows exactly how you're paying and where you're paying and whatnot. Yeah, it would learn everything. Um, there's also trampoline uh, payments, which I, I I think like the folks at Async and and others are are working on. Um, it, it's Kind of a hybrid between the two, so that that's another option that's being being developed. Um, so so again, like most of these trade offs, when, when if you're trying to do non custodial as self sovereign as possible on mobile, it's really hard to deliver a great user experience. So there's lots of uh, lots of bells and knobs and and um, right, to, you know, to try to tune that. So I think we need to have dozens of experiments, including privacy. To uh, to see what what's right, and it, it'll improve over time too. We we might need to make some certain concessions over the next few years to have an adequate user experience for certain users, but maybe in in uh, three, four, five years, we'll we'll make it um, so you don't have to make certain sacrifices. Awesome, and I would just add that you know I have a ton of respect uh, for the work that Chris Belcher is doing, and. Um, you know, you guys, you guys supporting him in, in his coin swap work uh, really personally was very massive to me. It was, it was a big deal to me to see a, um, a project out of a, you know, a large publicly traded financial company uh, funding directly financial privacy work. So uh, I really, I really did appreciate that. Oh, thank you. I mean, it's a good example of um, our, our corporate, funder not not um having uh much say in what we right. so, <laughs> um it, i i agree i was really proud proud of that grant in particular and uh looking forward to to, to the future of that and another thing back to ldk and privacy another thing that will be really important for next year within the broader lightning ecosystem and ldk specifically is just integration of, of taproot in, into lightning and there's a number of different touch points um and it's pretty pretty of uh, uh, involved, but um, that'll undoubtedly improve privacy as well. Where, like, where do you see that specifically impacting the end user? And um, let's see. So for for privacy, I mean, I think most end users won't even <laughs> won't even be aware of it, but right. they just happen to have a better privacy. You know, number one, uh, when closing Lightning channels. Uh, by you know, when using Taproot, it'll look like uh, at least on a cooperative close, it'll look like any other payment, like a single signature, right. and not be identifiable like it currently is. Um, Where like obviously looks like a two of two multi sig. Exactly. Um, 
and then a transition from HTLCs to PTLCs uh, is another uh, way to improve privacy. There's been a few papers written about privacy, uh, some privacy weaknesses in Lightning, and, and I think PTLCs can shore up at least one or two of those. Um, and then something that uh, is less privacy related and more security related, um, I would like to see multi-sig supported in, in Lightning net Network. So that, for example, you could have a yes. two, of, two of three wallet or any K of N, but like, for example, two of three uh, and, and have the Lightning scripts support that. And, and currently it's only sig single signature. So I think something we'll get to a little bit later in the show is uh, future two of three type of wallets that, that I'm excited about and not only supporting that at the on-chain Bitcoin protocol level, but also at Lightning Network. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be... I mean, that's our, it would already be a massive benefit to people, but especially in the future, I mean, if, if we do have people that are onboarding directly onto Lightning. Um, but like I did have, I had a conversation um, with Eric Sirion on Dispatch earlier, who's working on, uh, he's working on a, a Charmin eCash, uh, federated Charmin eCash implementation uh, for a Lightning wallet. And one of the big bottlenecks for him is that the actual lightning component is hard to multi-sig out uh, and he doesn't want to build that on his own. Uh, so hopefully uh, we can have that. And like right now in the wild, we have the Bitcoin Beach wallet, which is trying to do like this almost like multi-sig uh, custodial wallet where the keys are held by a trusted members of the community, but the... Um, they can't do that with the lightning portion, even though the majority of payments are lightning. So they're just running a single SIG custodial lightning wallet with the majority of the funds held in multi-SIG on chain. And they're just basically writing it off. Like if that wallet gets compromised or exit scammed or something, like you only lose the lightning portion, you don't lose uh, the on-chain portion. Got it. Yeah, there's there's no, no doubt it's, um, there's going to be a lot of demand for it. Um, I've yet to even initiate any kind of conversations with protocol devs, so I, I don't know how much discussion there's already <laughs> been at that level. But um, if Lalu or, or Rusty or uh, <laughs> are, are listening, um, I'll, I'll be I'll be chatting with them soon. Awesome. Um, so so far we've talked about LDK, we've talked about BDK, uh, we've talked about uh, various spiral grants, we've talked about the Bitcoin design community. What do you want to talk about next? How about uh, B-Trust? B-Trust, let's go. What's B-Trust? Yeah, so um, earlier this year, Jack Dorsey um, announced a new Bitcoin endowment uh, that he and Jay-Z are funding and supporting called B-Trust uh, that's intended to be uh, an endowment for a, a, a new entity that's focused on Bitcoin, focused on free open source uh, software development, and Jack would be really a blind trust. So he'd be completely hands off uh, with this. And, and I mean, 500 Bitcoins, a lot, a lot of, a lot of money. Yeah. So it's a very, very sizable um, gift. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't get the sense that the Bitcoin community really appreciates yet, or is even aware of it, let alone appreciates how impactful this can be over the next five to 10 years. Um, the 
the um, process for, for how to go about this um, is to start with selecting a board um, and and then be able to transition and sort of empower transition the Bitcoin and empower that board to go ahead and select a lead and build a, t a team to um, to do great things. So we we put out a call for uh, applications for board members and got completely overwhelmed last spring with over seven thousand <laughs> applications. Wow! It, it, yeah, it was it was uh, it, yeah it was it was a lot. So. Um, so you threw out all the applications and you decided to start. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, one way you can go is like, well, I've, you know, I've heard of a few of these names. Let's just go with them. But we, we wanted um, we wanted to take a, a responsible approach where we really did go through, you know, all these applications and, and have a really thorough process. So there's no way that um, myself or one person could do this on their own. So fortunately, we found an awesome volunteer team. Uh, Carolee and Jonas from Chaincode. Um, no. You're probably familiar with them. Um, Jacob, who is at Lightning Labs. Um, Haley, who's on my team. And uh, Lawrence, who's on the Cash App team. So the, the six of us um, have been working on this for the past, I don't know, five, six months um, to... Uh, you know, we, there were multiple filters and levels through this application process. And ultimately, we did... Uh, a couple video interviews with 30 or so candidates um, and narrowed it down to about half a dozen that just recently met with uh, with Jack um, and we're, we're um, cool. and we've, and, yeah and we've so the the board has now been selected they've been notified and we'll announce we'll announce soon uh, who the board members are but how soon Steve <laughs> uh, hopefully hopefully within uh, hopefully before the end of the year that, that that's the that's the the hope but um i i yeah i can't say i can't say enough <laughs> about the, the applicants in in this process i was just um really blown away by the the the, the quality of app, applicants and their understand depth of understanding and love and care of bitcoin um people that's from awesome all over africa and india and just in middle east all over the world so that was a really positive experience um yeah so the hope is that beginning in January, the new year, they, they, um, they can get, get started and, and, um, and good things will, will come. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but B trust is primarily focused on Africa, right? The, um, Africa and India is what has been communicated. Um, you know, I think, um, it's a little bit TBD and, and up to the <laughs> board to, to figure that out. Um, you could argue uh, that maybe you know Africa in and of itself <laughs> is a big enough opportunity and challenge to uh, to just focus on, on one continent. Um, you could argue to, to do both. You could argue um, to expand to to other important emerging and developing markets like South America and Central America and Southeast Asia, etc. So I think <clears throat> I think the the board will have to evaluate that and figure out the, the, the best plan. But I mean, in general, if you're funding open source projects that are focused on the developing world, I mean, even if their focus is on a specific geographical location, I imagine they'll have applications everywhere. 
Uh, this yeah, is the that, that would be that would be. I mean, just just like even the stuff that Spiral does uh, or Chainlink right. does. I mean, you know, hope, <clears throat> hopefully it helps everyone around the world. Um, yeah, I, I would expect what you you just said to be true. Um, at the same time, uh, I would also hope, hope and expect that there's there's um, there are things that are done specifically to enable uh, the the cultivation and and growth and development of 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 people in in Africa and India working on Bitcoin and and also just better understanding local market needs and challenges that don't exist maybe in the right. US or you know Western uh, other Western countries. Right, and I mean we don't want to not trying to put all Africans and all Indians in the same boat. Like there's obviously different nuances uh, yeah. depending on localities and. Situation. Yeah, I mean, there's a, exactly there's 54 countries in Africa. So even even just focusing on Africa, it's incredibly diverse with a lot of challenges. And so um, yeah, so so the board will be have a lot of work cut out for them. But I think it's a really exciting opportunity for for, for them. Um, I mean, one of the coolest parts of B Trust to me uh, is is this idea that the endowment is in Bitcoin. Uh, so like, who even knows? I mean, when, when they made the announcement, um, I think they made the announcement, what was it? It was like February of last year or January of last year. Yeah. I think the price of Bitcoin is about the same as it was when they announced No, 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 no. It was like 24K or something, 25K at the time. So the endowment's already doubled in, in, in purchasing power. Um, well, coin, and who knows? Coin, like, coin market cap right now is saying that Bitcoin is seven hundred and eighty-nine billion dollars per coin. So, oh shit! So that endowment's huge now. <laughs> we might as well just end the show right now. We we can all retire. Uh, I, I'm sure Twitter's <laughs> freaking out about that. And I, we just have our dispatch blinders on right now. We don't even. We, when I first started the show, I would show the live price, but now we just show what matters. So you have a live view of the mempool. Um, <laughs> So, I mean, I don't really care where the price is right now. We can, we can check after, uh, but that it's pretty cool when you start to think about it. Like, so you take, um, so it was, it was Jack and Jay-Z. They each put in 250 Bitcoin at whatever price it was at the time, which I'm telling you, I'm pretty sure it was like 25 K or 30 K. Um, and then B trust is going to be pulling from that, uh, is going to be pulling from that endowment, but keeping it in Bitcoin. So presumably like we could end up in a situation like if, if we're correct and, and Bitcoin does increase in price with adoption. And as I uh, eloquently state, sometimes that is designed to pump forever. We can end up in a situation where this endowment basically never runs out that it's just a, it's a forever endowment which is pretty insane to start to try and wrap your head around. Yeah, it, exactly. So a, a, a big um, question the board will have to answer is how to manage that treasury, um, whether to keep all of it in Bitcoin or convert some to like a stable coin or something. Oh, I didn't realize that. Well, the, I mean, these, these are, the, I'm just, these are possibilities that they, they, they'll need to determine that. Um, but they're allowed to do that. The board can do whatever they want. They can just fire can it all. They want. Yeah, J Jack is very much a believer in, in you know, putting right. putting uh, the right people in place and then really entrusting them. So, 
the the board's going to have incredible um you know you know responsibility for this but yeah. It'll, yeah it'll be up to them um i mean i like it's my own expectation that that most or all would be kept in bitcoin like you're saying yeah that's and my understanding has, absolutely originally. has the potential to you know appreciate a lot um and um but yeah they'll have, also have to determine like what what the annual budgets are how quickly right. to draw down on that endowment you could certainly manage it so that it, it definitely is perpetual and never never runs out um is that the right call or not maybe maybe not um uh, but it, but it should certainly be very long lasting um in any case like I, I feel like like when my grandkids are, are reading about like the newest uh be trust initiative like if they have less than 100 bitcoin in their treasury at that point then they fuck something up but that's just my uh, <laughs> I, I i like that. that that's a good uh that's a good measuring stick for, <laughs> for, for be trust in the board um okay so what should we discuss next steve um let's see should we talk about the mining initiative at block yeah let's talk about this mining initiative this this is the 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 open source design for an asic yeah yeah i so everyone should be aware again i i i'm on the spiral team um very much team bitcoin outward facing so i'm i'm not on um the mining team at block um but i do i have worked been working closely with them i'm really passionate about what they're doing so i'm happy to share share a little bit of what they're up to beyond what uh jack tweeted a month or so ago um so yeah so block is getting into bitcoin mining in a, in a pretty substantial way which i'm i'm excited about and um but the you know one observation is is that the asic chips themselves um, there's very few suppliers. Um, they're geographically concentrated, and they operate in a way that doesn't necessarily lend itself to optimizing for an open ecosystem and really sort of growing, um, growing the the number of of partners and different companies in the space that can come up with cool new designs for mining rigs. Um, so with that opportunity. Uh, the, the team at Block is interested and is exploring um, doing a custom ASIC uh, chip themselves, uh, as well as a, a mining rig design, um, and doing it in as open a way as possible to enable other companies um, to build their own mining rigs as well. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a fantastic initiative. I mean, I, I, I think you somehow understated the current issue uh, of, of ASIC manufacturers. I mean, there's two main ASIC manufacturers right now, and that's Bitmain and MicroBT. MicroBT makes the what's miners. Bitmain makes the ant miners. Um, uh, they're both out of Asia. Uh, the, the, the the project lead, the founder of MicroBT is actually the like one of the ex main guys of Bitmain. Uh, so in a lot of ways, they're kind of one company that was split into two. Um, and it would be great to see more competition there. I, I, my understanding too was like this idea that it was almost more of a, the focus was going to be more on like a, consumer focus level like uh 
a, a model for an ASIC that like all our ASICs nowadays are like basically designed uh, to be put in, in a warehouse. They're like made for industrial applications. Um, obviously on dispatch, we've gone through many times about how to, how to use them for home mining and it can be done, but at their core, they're like, they're basically designed to be placed in server racks at a warehouse. Uh, am I wrong that, that, uh, the initiative by the block is, uh, the initiative by block, I guess there's no the, <laughs> by block is, uh, focused more on like, like more of a retail kind of environment or. Uh, both right right and wrong so it definitely includes that uh which i think is super exciting but not exclusively that so at this point it's early enough um and uh, that 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 it's being explored both for like industrial farm mining uh, as well as individual home cool. mining. Um, also looking at what can be done what can be optimized for sustainable energy um, in particular, intermittent sustainable energy has you know certain unique challenges, both the economic model, um, but also <clears throat> the um, the equipment itself. If it's going to be turned on and off frequently, it needs to be designed to uh, to support a lot more cycles than maybe some of the existing equipment. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm already hearing about the existing equipment. Like, you don't want to turn it off and on much. Like your yep. the, the lifetime of your miner is going to go down substantially, right? So, definitely design consideration from uh, the the team at Block will be will be that, um, and the and the firmware and the software as well, uh, being able to to uh, boot up, you know, be able to re, you know reboot very quickly, um, will be will be important. You know, the folks at, at Brains have done already done good work yeah. in that area, um, so which which is fantastic. So anyway, that, that that'll be an important consideration. But I but I think yeah, the the the, op, the environment we're operating right now, it, we've spoken to a number of companies who want who see an opportunity in the market to design a mining rig, the actual like industrial design and the um, the systems design itself. They they see an opportunity in the market to optimize and customize that, but they're unable to source ASIC chips right. directly. So, so the, I, we, we think there's a huge opportunity if you can just sell ASIC chips to partners in the ecosystem, we're going to see a great expansion of mining into to new segments and meeting new needs that are not met right now by one or two suppliers. Well, like a key aspect of their business model is to keep everything proprietary. Like you mentioned, they like keep their chip designs very close to their chest, like nothing's open. Uh, the firmware is all closed source. Like you mentioned... Uh, brains with two eyes by slush uh, who've had many of their team members on dispatch in the past they have their own open source firmware that you can then flash onto bitmain uh, asics but out of the box it's all closed so yeah. and, I mean, and if yeah. you chat with the guys at brains you you'll you know they'll talk about how challenging it can be to um, to build that firmware because it's such a closed system. So yeah, they almost have to hack their way onto it. Basically. I think they do quite a bit, you know, they have to do reverse engineering. So the, the, the plan from block is to be the opposite of that, be very open, uh, be as open as possible. So the, any kind of mining rig designs that come from block, the hope and expectation is that they will be open source. So others can leverage those designs and use that the, the, any chip, 
um, that's produced by uh, Block, the data sheets are intended to be to be open. Um, but is Block going to actually be selling miners, or are they basically just putting the specs out there for other people to build them? Um, I mean, at this point, you know, there's nothing definitive, so right, it's, it's right. all about exploration. But definitely, looking at both is is of interest. Um, produce, you know, producing a chip and selling the chip, um, also producing a mining rig and selling that mining rig. Um, you could imagine uh, maybe Block decides uh, that they can produce a really great product for um, for intermittent. Uh, renewable energy uh, mining, whether it be solar or wind, and so they 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 might build a, a rig around that and sell to that market while still selling the chip and any kind of open source um, and provide any kind of open source system designs to other other partners who build mining rigs for other other markets or even the same markets and, and compete. So anything's on the table there. It's still um, early days, very much. It's still early days. One one thing that I should mention that a lot a lot of folks probably have no idea this this uh, is the case, but Block actually has this is not like completely out of the blue that Block would do hardware. Um, and I think most people are familiar. Square has always made hardware uh, in the pay, pay, payment from the very beginning. From the very beginning, so hardware is in the DNA of the company. Um, but even Asics uh, for six years now, Square has built designed and built custom ASICs for their payment terminals. So so the company already has ASIC engineers and all the experience that comes Wait, really with like the chips, the chips in the square payment terminals are, I mean, in the, I guess those are still square payment terminals are made by block. Yeah. So, some of the chips are. Yep. Wow. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So there, the, the company already has, you know, engineering chops and expertise in that area, working with foundries and just all of that. So it's, it's not like um, it's not like a software company in Silicon Valley just deciding to <laughs> to do chips. Um, having said that, there's a tremendous amount of knowledge needed uh, to do Bitcoin mining rigs, and um, so you know the, the team's going to have to learn a lot. The team is very interested in in partnering with others. Um, so the, if we, we've already been speaking to a, a bunch of companies uh, in the space, but um, if there's others who who are excited about the opportunity around a more open ecosystem for for mining hardware and 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 software? Then um, we we would love to speak to them. I wonder if we have like freaks that don't even remember that they're they're predated uh, that they never had any experience with the little headphone jack uh, square credit card readers where you just like plug. I mean, there's probably some freaks that don't even know what a headphone jack is nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly that's funny um but it's pretty amazing it's pretty amazing how those square those square terminals are everywhere now so many businesses are using those square terminals um well, last thing i mentioned on mining um Str stratum v2 is is a next generation mining protocol yes um yeah it's something that that brains has done a lot of work on and slush pool uh, Matt Corallo and the Spiral team worked worked with them to help define it. Matt had previously worked on a, a protocol called BetterHash. That was like um, his. He proposed it first, I think, before Stratum V two was even a thing. Yeah, I, I, I believe that's the the right chronology. Um, and so Stratum V two, I think, has most or all of what Matt was hoping to to see in BetterHash. And um, 
um, one thing Spiral's done, we, we have a, a grant to a developer that goes by FI3, um, and he has been working for almost uh, almost a year now on an, a neutral open source implementation of Stratum V2 that, um, that can be used by any mining pool, any miner in the space. Oh, and, awesome. and so the, 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 anything that the block team's doing with respect to, to mining rigs and chips will we'll definitely have Stratum V2 in mind and be optimizing for that. I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, right now, uh, if you buy a ASIC out of the box, whether that's Bitmain or MicroBT, you cannot use Stratum V2. Um, if you get a Bitmain miner that supports Brains firmware, uh, open source firmware, then you can flash Brains onto it and then you can use Stratum V2 with slush, but no other pools. So it's definitely very much early days there. If we can get more adoption, that would be fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah, so th there's, you know, I think there's a number of opportunities to improve decentralization within mining. Um, one at the chip level, um, two just geographically. Uh, you know, it would be fantastic if uh, Block and and maybe others who are getting into the um, into the mining space, like Blockstream is as well. But just more and more, like you said, more competition, but also more um, supply chains that are resilient, not dependent on one particular country or region, will really help decentralization and the adoption of strategy 100%. too will help as well. No, I mean, I think it's a noble cause uh, and and it's sorely needed. I do wonder, uh, I mean, mining is a massively competitive space. I do wonder uh, how those dynamics end up working out if there's nothing proprietary there between chips. I, it, it should be interesting. Yeah, I think, well, you know, it's to be determined what, what the exact business model is, but... Yeah, I mean, because currently there's not that many chip manufacturers, I think there's actually right. attractive, <laughs> attractive revenue and potential for the chip, it, you know, the chips themselves. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, if, if you can undercut prices, I mean, and also there's an ideological bent to it to a certain extent if you can get it close enough. Yeah, I, I, I think if 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 we're correct in this view that an open system will an ecosystem will will be much better than a closed system, um, I think you know the, um, the those participating in this open ecosystem will be will, can all win and and will will uh, can all can all profit. Awesome. Um, we have said Trinity in the comments and like, feel free to tell us both to fuck off. Uh, but he, he's asking is spiral working with square to integrate uh, Bitcoin lightning into square uh, point of sale terminals. Um, I, so nothing I can comment on specifically, but um, yes, there's yes. In the sense that we're definitely talking with teams at block to integrate lightning and in any software we're working uh, working on BDK, LDK. But having said that, um, I have had many conversations this year with folks at Coinbase and Kraken and blockchain.com and many, many companies in the space, uh, small, you know, smaller projects as well, open source projects about adopting our software. So, awesome. um, so, so we're, you know, the, the spiral team, again, it's a really unique initiative and, and, and project because we, we work with with companies who would be considered com competitors to to Cash App and Block, um, we're we're just optimizing for the adoption of of Bitcoin. So, 
um, yeah, we're, we're talking to a num number of different companies and projects to, to adopt uh, BDK LD and, and LDK. Awesome. Um, appreciate you uh, answering that question to that extent. Uh, I was not going to ask it unless Trinity brought it up um, <laughs> because I have a lot of respect for you and I knew it was putting you on the spot. Um, so I think we should move on to this next topic, which is a topic that personally I am extremely excited about, uh, which is uh, this this hardware wallet initiative. Absolutely. You want to go yeah. into this for the freaks? Yeah. So I think it was June. Um, I think it was at the Bitcoin conference uh, in Miami that um, Block announced or Square at the time announced a hardware wallet project. Um, which I, I'm equally super excited about. Uh, one one thing to to make clear is that um, it's not just a hardware wallet, but but really, but it's a combination of hardware and software. And the um, the software aspect actually has me personally more, more excited. Um, I, I, you know, I think think there's definitely room to um, innovate and, and improve the hardware, but the the type of software wallet that that team is is looking at has me really excited. They're they're exploring uh, doing a two of three multi-sig wallet um, sort of out of out of the box, uh, and I, I think a two of three offers really interesting um, user experience and security properties um, that uh, a single sig or, or other variations don't don't have. Um, there's also the potential to build a wallet that can be both a savings, uh, you know, a savings and a spending wallet all in one, and you know, apply different UX security trade-offs to whether it's spending or or, right. or savings. So let's break this down for a second. So right now, if you use Cash App, which is a product of Block, uh, it is a fully custodial wallet. My understanding of this hardware wallet initiative is that you have a situation where instead of square instead of cash app holding the keys um cash app holds one key or whatever wallet this ends up being but block holds one key um one key is on the mobile device locally and then one key is this really cheap hardware wallet that interfaces with the mobile phone so presumably uh, if, if something happens and block doesn't want you to send your transaction, you can use the hardware wallet to send. But as long as block is, uh, fine with you sending the transaction, you can keep the hardware wallet in your drawer or something. And, uh, your, your mobile phone signs on one side and, and, uh, the server signs on the other side using whatever normal fraud detection you have. Is that, is that the basic understanding of this project? Yeah, I mean, let me first say that it's or I'm not on the team, so I don't speak for the team. Right. Um, and secondly, it's still super early, so there's really there's no commitment to any particular. Of course. UX. But having said that, here here's at least from my own view, personal view, and hope for the the project um, is what you just described, um, where the, you have the three keys, fucking awesome, one on the phone, one on the hardware wallet, one in the cloud. It's non-custodial uh, in the sense that it, even if the cloud and and the cloud server goes away, you still have your hardware wallet and 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 your phone's key. And the spending experience can be just as simple and easy 
as using Cash App or Venmo or any kind of other type of payment app on your phone. Um, and, and the customer you know, wouldn't even have to think about keys or two of three or multi-sig. They don't have to know anything about that because you're signing with the key in the phone and the one in the cloud. And that's all kind of hidden under the covers. To protect the customer from <clears throat> having their entire wallet drained in case their phone becomes compromised, um, one could put a, a spending velocity limit in, in, in the cloud, such, such that it would only sign a transaction for certain certain amounts. And there might be other it's policies. Like stuff that, that Cash App already has, like uh, fraud detection, algo, or whatever. Yep. And then if, um, you know, if the customer wants to spend a larger amount, that's an opportunity to uh, access their, their hardware wallet in which they'd be, it would be unlimited. Um, and, and again, you know, self-sovereign, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be dependent on any, any server or, or third-party service. Um, but it allows the, the, the customer to, you know, they can secure their, their hardware wallet in a way that's not as accessible perhaps as your phone. Um, but for daily spending or, or, or frequent spending, you wouldn't need to access it. And they don't even have to know of that as a hardware wallet. That could just be, this is your secret device, like keep it safe. And in a worst case scenario, uh, you're going to need this to spend your funds. Um, correct. Yep. And what it's going to be super on, cheap on the on the software side. You know, I think the team's definitely exploring using Taproot for for two of three, and also, the, I think the team really cares about um, um, growing this to to lots of users. So Lightning Network and as a as an approach to scaling is is um, is on the table and being explored. And this gets back to an earlier conversation right. about what Spiral and the LDK team and what the broader Lightning ecosystem needs to be looking at is multi-sig, um, building two of three into Lightning Network so that it could be possible in this wallet or anyone else looking to do a similar type of, uh, type of wallet, um, as well as integrating Taproot into, into Lightning Network. That's awesome. I mean, I love the, I love the trade-off balance with this kind of setup. Um, Absolutely. And, I mean, a key aspect here, right, is that is that that actual hardware device is going to be is going to be super cheap, air gapped. I mean, I don't know if it's been announced specifically, but my guess would be something. And you don't have to comment on this. My guess specifically would be something uh, the NFC based, so that you could just tap it to the phone. You don't need a battery on it. Uh, accessible to the whole world. Uh, most of the developing world already has a mobile phone. So they would just need, you know, a $10 device, a $5 device, and they would have relatively strong security guarantees and a very easy UX. Yeah. Um, actually, folks that are interested in this, they, they have a Substack. Um, I think it's squareselfcustody.substack.com. And um, they've they've published a couple newsletters, and I think they plan to to regularly publish newsletters. In their most recent one, they they did say that um, um, they they referenced NFC as being the the interface, the, the most likely interface that they'll they'll use to communicate. So, which is a definitely interesting choice. I think it's a I think it's a good choice. Um, but you know, in contrast to using Bluetooth or USB or QR codes or other other mechanisms. Um, I believe it's the case that they, you know, very much want to 
uh, accommodate a world and a, and a customer who is mobile first or mobile only um, and not assume not assume a, a laptop or desktop computer system. Yeah, I mean, the major trade-off here from my perspective is the lack of a dedicated screen on the hardware device uh, to actually verify what you're signing um, on, the, on, on the hardware device itself. But I think the trade-off basically comes down to cost. So presumably you could do the same exact setup with a device similar to like a seed signer that has a camera on it and a screen and you could do it all through QR codes. Uh, but the advantage of an NFC based device is no battery, extremely low cost. Like you can drill down that cost tremendously. Um, so as with everything with Bitcoin, it'd be nice if there's options there. Well, definitely one of the more controversial things being considered is, as you mentioned, no, no display. And back in June in the original tweet announcement, um, it was noted that that was being considered. You know, the advantages with no display, like you, as you just mentioned, it, you can hit a lower price point and a lower price point has a lot of advantages. You can reach a lot more people around the world. Uh, you can have a much simpler device. Um, and, and uh, but there needs to be an evaluation and, and, and hopefully there's a lot of feedback from the broader community on the security trade-offs. Um, my hope is that if one assumes a multi-sig two of three, uh, as well as perhaps some other design aspects, that it will be um, a credible approach and in a, and in a, and meet a security bar for the types of uses for for the product. But that's um, that still needs to be it still needs to be evaluated. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it comes back to what we were discussing earlier that. It'd be great if if Bitcoiners have many different options with different trade-offs. I mean, another major trade-off with this kind of model uh, is that obviously who's ever running the server, whether that's Block or someone else, um, has full purview into your transactions. So it's, it's not sovereign in a privacy way. Um, but if you compare that to a, you know, a, a hosted custodial wallet where you have you have no privacy and you have no control over your funds at the same time. Um, it is a massive improvement there. And there's going to be all the different options for Bitcoiners. And as they move up through uh, their Bitcoin journey, they, they might upgrade to more, more private options and it's all just a path. Yep. Um, you know, we don't have this on the list, but are, do you have any interest in discussing TBD at all? The decentralized exchange proposal? Um, I, I mean, I, I can talk about it a little bit. I, I, um, I think it might be good to have a, a separate show where you have Mike or someone from the TBD team on, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I can tease it to the freaks. Uh, Marty and I are going to have a discussion with Mike, uh, sometime in January. Yeah. I'll, I'm happy to help, uh, help facilitate that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so we'll leave it at that, but, uh, TBD to the freaks, they, they probably have already heard about it on rabbit hole recap. Uh, if, if they're listening to that show, but it's the yeah, same. I, mean, I don't, think, I don't think there's like any like unique, um, points I could speak to that are different than what's already been publicly shared. Like that, you know, the white paper is published and, and, um, I think it's been, at a high level been communicated about what, what they plan to do. And beyond that, I don't, I don't really have a whole lot to add. Fair enough. Um, another project I'm very excited about. 
Um, and then we have Hello Bitcoin on the list. Do you want to discuss that a little bit? Yeah. So um, one of my best friends, Matt Belez, um, started Hello Bitcoin. Um, and the the goal with Hello Bitcoin, if you're not familiar with it, is, is just create both content and a community that's uh, very warm and welcoming to beginners. And so it's introductory material to Bitcoin. So it's Bitcoin focused, it's all open source. Um, and so far there's been three videos produced that I think are on the order of six, six to 10 minutes long, relatively short. Um, Con Connor from my team uh, is the, is the in, in the first couple of videos and does a great job. He's great in them. Yeah, he, he just, he, you know, he really cares about Bitcoin. You can tell it and he just speaks well to it. Um, and we, we have, have the chat, they, they have a channel on uh, Bitcoin TV.com freaks as well. Hello Bitcoin does. And their website is hello. It's hello Bitcoin, but it's the, the, the dot is between the O and the I. So it's hello Bitco.in. Yeah. And I, I mean, my hope that I, I really think those videos are, are great. But if you look at the number of views, it, it, it needs to be 100x that. So we, we, we need to find, as a community, I think um, everyone listening, hopefully take a look at those. And I think these can become go-to resources when you're introducing friends and family members and people new to Bitcoin. It can be really good. Um, there's also a desire on Hello Bitcoin to, to grow the community aspect. Um, I think there's an opportunity to create a, a warm, friendly environment that's still that, that retains Bitcoin ethos and discipline, um, but is maybe a different flavor than what we see on Twitter. Um, I, I, <laughs> I, I do think, you know, on Twitter, I feel like it's a daily battle. Um, and I, you know, I, I enjoy it, but it's not everyone's cup of tea. So I think there's a lot of people who would want to, you know, have an environment where they're comfortable to ask basic questions um, they're genuinely trying to learn. They're not trying to like sell shill and altcoin or something like that. And uh, there needs to be a, an environment and forum for that. So Hello Bitcoin is is a is a possibility there. Um, Haley on my team, I think is going to start getting more involved with Hello Bitcoin and and grow the community aspect. So I'm I'm excited to see what, what can go uh, what can what can happen there. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's really great content and it's a great initiative. It's something that. You know, I've been very focused on myself, which is trying to make Bitcoin more accessible, um, particularly to beginners, uh, but also to just people that are uh, going down the Bitcoin rabbit hole and they just want to improve their their understanding and their usage. Um, so, I mean, I have a lot of respect for them. They're doing a really great job and happy to support them with the channel at BitcoinTV.com. Um, and And... Go ahead. We have we have we have Bitkite in the in the comments who's running uh, the Nashville Bitcoiners meetup. Uh, just meetups in general, like local community meetups, I think do a lot here, uh, and just getting them around the world and and making that process easier for people to uh, run meetups uh, that are that are Bitcoin focused and and focus on, in my my opinion, the important things rather than you know trading and get rich quick schemes. Uh, so. I think we're slowly moving in that direction. And I think it goes hand in hand with our earlier conversations around LDK, BDK and Bitcoin design community, where you have actual tools that are easier to use from the ground up. So you don't need as much uh, 
education. But uh, no matter what, we're still going to need an education component because Bitcoin is so radically different uh, than than the traditional systems that people are used to, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, another thing I wanted to point out about Hello Bitcoin is it's another example of where the Bitcoin design community has contributed and, and made an impact. Um, if you if you look at the the third video from Hello Bitcoin, there's some uh, there's some visuals, some motion graphics, and that that was done by volunteers within the design community, which I thought was awesome. Um, the Hello Bitcoin fourth video, which will be on on um, energy usage. Uh, which is always a fun topic to cover. Um, it's going to be coming out soon, uh, aiming to, to publish it before Christmas. We'll see if that can be met. But that also has a tremendous amount of um, help from, from the design community. Awesome. You kind of love how the, it just all comes together, you know, where it's like very much a flywheel where all these different projects are helping each other out and, and, and making everything more robust in the process. Yeah, I think, I mean, there could be a, a whole nother show on just that topic. I, 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 there's so many instances I've seen of team, you know, just instances of team Bitcoin and people coming together, sort of loose affiliations, but we're all on, we all share this common bond of wanting to see Bitcoin adoption and Bitcoin succeed. Damn and right. it just lowers the barriers to working, collaborate with other people on a project. Like, Historically, you, you know, you get hired by a company and you only work with people who are employees uh, at that company. And it, it would be like foreign and weird to work with employees at other companies. And that's just not the case here at all. Um, you don't, it doesn't matter who you work for um, or, or where you're from. Anyone can, can, um, can join forces. And, and there's just, you know, so maybe in another show, we could talk about that because there's many projects I've, I've either been involved with or have observed where, they, they happen so quickly and can get off the ground so quickly with people who have never met in, in, in real life and, um, and really haven't worked with each other before. Uh, but it's just, it, it, I feel like Team Bitcoins, are, you, there's, there's um, the pillars in place to make it so that there's a little friction to get projects started. 100%, Steve. I, uh, I feel that too. It's a very special uh, it's a very special community and place we find ourselves in. And I don't really think I need to tell you this, but you are always welcome on uh, any of my shows. Um, I love having conversations with you and I really do appreciate the work, all the work you're doing. I like having conversations with you online and offline. Um, so yeah, you're always welcome. Thanks man. I appreciate it. Um, so, I mean, I, we're, you're a busy man. We're nearing the end of our, of our time here. Do you have anything else you want to cover? Any final thoughts uh, before we wrap this up? Yeah, just wanted to mention that um, that we are hiring uh, for for uh, the the mining project at, at Block is hiring. Um, the uh, the wallet project is as well, and my my team is too. So my my team's looking to hire three more engineers to work on on LDK. Uh, so anyone listening interested in, in a position in any of those teams um, or know someone. Um, I, I think for the for mining and for the wallet, just I think the best place to go would be check out the, the block website for jobs. Uh, for Spiral specifically, um, you can reach out to me. I'm Moneyball on Twitter, uh, or you can apply. You can go to our website and there's, there's information about how to apply. Um, but I think the email is um, apply at squarecrypto.org.
still have to change the, the domain name there. But for now, it's <laughs> that's actually on, on my to-do list. Um, but uh, yeah, apply at squarecrypto.org. Um, awesome. Thank you, Steve. Uh, huge shout out to the freaks who joined us. Thank you for joining us. And Steve, thank you so much for your work. Thank you for your time. Really do appreciate it. Um, and I look forward to uh, seeing you in person again sometime soon. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Bye, everyone. Cheers. Think about things.
Love you, freaks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Uh, thank you again for all your support with the show. If you prefer to support the show through merch, uh, go to sealdispatch.com slash stack. I hope you all enjoy your holiday. As a reminder, I am going to be taking a break for Christmas uh, over the next two weeks. Uh, we will be back on January 4th with the Fire Dispatch and another Bitcoin Tuesday. Rabbit Hole Recap will be on Thursday, and we will not be taking any breaks for Rabbit Hole Recap, as is tradition over the last three years. Stay humble. Stack sets.